I'm to share with you this morning is something that the youth learned at youth camp. Day four of youth camp, uh, we were uh, given a lesson, and, and, and we've taken that lesson and kind of turned it into a message for you today. So all this that I've got, that I've, you know, all the scripture that I'm going to read to you today is strictly from the Bible. I didn't make any of this up. So if you want to follow along, you can. My Bible is on page 2041. I don't know where yours is. Uh, it might be on the same page. But before we get started, uh, if you want to go ahead and get there so you can be prepared. I know a lot of times Pastor Frank says, in verse this and that, and then the next thing he's reading it, and you're going, wait, wait, wait. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 20. One. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16, I'm sorry, yeah, verse 16 through 21. And later I'm going to ask Mr. Harris, how many times have I preached from that sermon? Because he puts my initials up there every time I preach from a certain scripture. So how many times is it, Daryl? Chapter 5. Okay, he, he's slow. So, <laughs> two times? Two times. I've already preached there two times. But it's worthy of hearing again. Amen? God's worthy is always hearing, worthy to be heard again. Um, so here's the question that we were asked at camp that I want to ask you, that we want to talk about today for a little bit, and we've talked about it recently. What does it mean for someone to be in Christ? I, I shared a little bit in a, a month ago about we have the ability of the airplane once we get in the airplane. Obviously, I can't run 300 miles an hour, but if I'm in the airplane, I can go 500 miles an hour. Um, so if we're in Christ, we can do other things too. So uh, let's look at In Scripture, it tells us 2 Timothy 1.9. I'm not going to read the Scripture, but it tells us that in Christ Jesus, we were given grace before the world was created. In Christ Jesus, we were given grace before the world was created, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.9. Um, in Christ Jesus, we were chosen by God before creation. In Christ Jesus, we were chosen by God for creation, before creation, Ephesians 1.4. In Christ Jesus, you are loved by God with an inseparable love, inseparable Romans 8, 38, and 39. In Christ Jesus, you were redeemed and forgiven of all your sin. Ephesians 1, 7. In Christ Jesus, you are justified before God, and the righteousness of God is in Christ Jesus is imputed to you. That I like. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For our sake, God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Good stuff. So in Christ Jesus, you have become a new creation. That's what I kind of want to talk about today, the new creation, because it says, uh, Chris will put it on the screen. Let's put this one up there on the screen, Chris. It says 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Bam. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? New creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. So, I'm pretty sure that Paul had a pretty obvious uh, point right here that he was trying to make. So, if your faith is in Jesus, if you have trusted Christ in this life and for the next, all your hope is in him before God, then you're new. Scripture says you've been made new. So there's a part of you that's labeled old, not like you, Daryl, old, but like the old self, 
No one laughed. The old self, there's a part that's labeled the old self, but that's done away with. It's no longer who you are, okay? And there's a new part. There's something new that has come. So what exactly does it mean to be new is a good question. I mean, does it make me smarter or taller? Or does it make me, I don't know, um, better looking? What, I mean, does it make me sinless? Maybe it, maybe it makes me faster that I'm new. I'm, it's a question. What exactly is new if, if I am in Christ by grace through faith? What's exact? What's new? I'm glad you asked. I wanted to share that with you today. But if we backed up a chapter in chapter 4, we don't have it on the screen, but if you want to look, in chapter 4, 2 Corinthians verse 6, it says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Notice what Paul's connecting here. He's connecting Genesis 1 to the uh, Genesis 1 with the God of the creation God, and he's connecting it to uh, the God of the gospel, the one who provides for us, the one who is our saving God. Because that's what we want, right? We want to be saved, right? We all call out, or I hope we have called out to save us. Because the scripture says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? So it's not necessarily rocket science. But he's connecting the work of the creator to the work of the saving God. So just as the creator voiced out the words and the earth was created... I mean, it's pretty neat, right? He voiced it out and the earth was. Um, That's pretty powerful, right? Pretty powerful stuff. Well, that same God gave you a new creation when you put your faith and trust in him. And and it helps us. That's that's how the gospel speaks to our heart. So let's look at verse 16. We're going to look at that. It's going to be on the screen. We're going to... We're going to kind of go through this backwards and forwards and stuff. So, but it says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet, none, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Paul's not talking about how we see or think about ourselves as a new creation. I mean, obviously, we have become new, but I think, because he's talking to Christians here, by the way, in the book of Corinthians, these are believers at a church, like you and I, but they had a lot of things messed up. They were uh, false teachings that were going on. There were a lot of things that were going wrong within the church, and Paul is writing to help them see that, to look at others as more important than yourself, to look at others in a new, as a new creation. So, in other words, it's not like how we look at ourselves or we think of ourselves. It's how we look and see others. Very important in the gospel. We no longer consider one another from this fleshly perspective or from an earthly worldview, right? We have a different world. We have a different worldview, don't we? We have a worldview through the eyes of our Savior. And so the old self sees, we see each other in our old self as handsome, charismatic, 
fun to be around, exciting, friendly. Some of you, maybe not friendly, but that's how, that's how we do it. I mean, the old self uses those thoughts to, to maybe cast judgment on each other. But the new selves should see each other as with this new sense of what truly matters. And what is that? What does truly matter? That's seeing others and ourselves in accordance with the truth. Because I know that a lot of you, according, uh, uh, including me, we struggle with ourself. The truth that God loves us, we need to remind ourselves, and we should love and see others just like He does, just like Christ does. So here's a question that I have for you How much of our struggle in this life is because we see people the way the world tells us to see them instead of in the light of God's truth? One more question for you. How much of your struggle in this life flows from judging yourself according to the flesh and not according to God's love or uh, acceptance or God's grace? Are you constantly judged by what the world thinks you need to be? Questions that we should ask ourselves. So, but you know, because the truth of the gospel Our whole world can be turned upside down in this truth. I know for me it was about 14 years ago. My whole world was turned upside down. I I became new and I had a new outlook on life. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Is there anyone perfect? Yes, his name was Jesus Christ. Okay? And so that's what we need, need to understand. So when it comes to this new or the newness of life, it's not just talking about you. You know, we got to remember that. It's not just always about me. You know, the world doesn't revolve around me. I know it does for some of us, but it's not supposed to revolve around us. It's supposed to revolve around God, okay? So I love, I love C.S. Lewis, uh, so I've got a quote here for you from him, and he says this, Don't shine so that others can see you. Shine so that through you others see him. As I said, C.S. Lewis. But it's very easy for people, including some Christians, to want newness, to want a new start in life, to want a do-over, isn't it? And, and, but, you know, the, the new life which they were living for themselves, sometimes these things may change, like, what will I do with my time? Or what we read, or what videos we watch on our phones, or the words that come out of our mouth, or who we spend our time with, or how we dress, But see, the newness of the new creation is not about these things at all, I don't think. See, because your life can be new in many ways, but you can still be living it for yourself. The selfishness just comes out of us so easily these days. Evidence that uh, you are a truly new creation is that you live your life for Jesus Christ. So in this In this life, uh, you will always be tempted. You will always be tempted to to live for yourselves. Uh, You will always be tempted to, uh, uh, you will always be, have temptations to live for yourself. Some of us will give in to that temptation, uh, and some of us will not. And uh, that's, you know, why we work and ground ourselves in God's truth. But what, what, 
what desire is to what desire do we have do you have to glorify God with every aspect of our life our thoughts what we see how we look at others is what we're talking about today look what it says we'll continue to read verses 18 and 20 it's going to be on the screen for you and it says Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The New Testament calls us as Christians to live a a, a kind of of godly lifestyle that inspires questions, that generates conversations, and that opens doors for us, the ambassadors, to share the gospel. This is what the New Testament calls us as Christians to be. He died so that we might live for him, right? Live for Christ. Important that we understand that. So we have been reconciled to God so that we might help others be reconciled to God. You know, all are called, but not all answer the call. I've read statistics, I believe about 70% of the statistics I read, but there's statistics that goes around in the United States that the average American hears the gospel, the good news, seven times on average before they go no or yes. Seven times on the average. I don't know why I told you that, but... uh, So the question, let's go back to that question that we started with. Uh, What does it mean to be a new creation, creation, a new creature? It means that our life has a new purpose. It means our life has a new purpose. We, We just looked at 18 through 20, and one of the words he says he gave. He gave the message that has been entrusted to us. So you've been given something that God expects you to do something with it, okay? You've been called ambassadors, representatives of God's kingdom. We represent God's kingdom to the world when we walk out of this building. That's who we are, ambassadors, okay? We appeal, God appeals. He uh, uh, appealing to the hearts of the lost. That's what he's doing. So when we first look at verses 18, you, you may not recognize the fullness of the charge that's been given to them, to us, to, Christ, to Christians. But he's talking to the church, but he, we, can, we can place this in our life too. I guess we need to look at what it means to be an ambassador. Okay, so I've get, I looked it up. An ambassador is, an, is a dignitary whose full-time job is to live for a period, usually in a foreign land, um, Intentionally building relationships with those people native to that land and purposely representing those desires of the king. That's what an ambassador is. Okay? So, in, in the beginning of that, we, we referred to it as a dignitary. Let's look at what a, a dignitary is a person considered to be important with a high ranking or an official, right? He's got a high rank, got a lot of authority pretty important guy. He's an official. So if the United States sent a ambassador or a, a for, uh, to a foreign country that uh, had no uh, 
authority or knowledge, then do you think that people would take him seriously? Probably not, right? If he didn't have any authority or any knowledge of what he was doing there. So the same is true for us. Whether we recognize it or not, we are dignitaries of our king. We are children and heirs of the Most High God. Uh, Romans 8, 16 and 17, I didn't put it on the screen, but you can look at it later, write it down now. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. An ambassador lives in a foreign land, doesn't he? Okay, so an ambassador in is a person that requires the individual to relocate to a land that he's not familiar with, that he's been assigned to. Okay, so to be effective at his job, what does he need to do? He needs to establish a residence there. He probably needs to help people uh, learn their culture and their customs. He's got to build that relationship with them, right? Just like us. The same is true. The earth is not our home. Right? We're not supposed to stay here in this land. 1 Peter 2.11 tells us that all throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, we can find where it talks about how we're aliens, how we are, um, this is not our home, how we are strangers here. I mean, this earth is where we live now, right now, for a period, right? We definitely are here. I'm here. Are you here? I'm here. Okay, but it's not where we belong. It's not our intention. It's not the place that we are to live for all eternity. And, and especially, think about unbelievers as far as a foreign, if you're in a foreign land. Um, people are very different, right? Even here among us. But if you go to a foreign land, there's a lot of different things going on, uh, the, the way they live. And so it's not going to be, it, it will not be easily uh, to respond to an outsider without having a relationship with them first, right? You have to build that relationship with them. You just don't go over there and go, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Y'all pay attention. You know, you need to form some trust. You need to form uh, a bond, right? So if we are, me and you and I, if we are going to be effective ambassadors in this world, what do we need to do? We need to build relationships with people that are here. That's what we need to do. We need to meet them where they are and help them meet their needs. Now, I was raised in a house where mom and dad always said, don't do as I do, do as I say do. (laughs) And it was a very good example, you know. But that's just the way it was. But how do we teach people the best? By example. We lead them by example. We lead them by example. We have to build that relationship to help them meet their needs. We need to build a solid relationship with them, and we will uh, better be able to complete what is the next step. So what's the next step? We're representatives of, we want to, to get the desires of the king, right? We represent those desires of the king. And what does the king want? All to be saved. He wants all people to come to that saving knowledge. That's what he wants. Another guy uh, I like to quote, his name is Bob Goff. Goff. He said this, I used to want to fix people, but now I just want to be with them. I used to want to fix people, but now I just want to be with them. 
God's going to fix them. All we have to do is tell them about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? So the ambassador's job does not stop at just building that relationship. There's a purpose for these relationships. His purpose from the very beginning is to represent the king's desires to the people in the foreign land, right? We're all in a foreign land. So his purpose is to win them over, to help them see that his desires are going to help their lives be better and be easier, that he's got to convince them this is the way. That's what the... Uh, dignitary does. That's what the ambassador does. Convince them that their desires will be in their best interest. So when we become ambassadors for Christ, we are doing the same thing. Okay? So we should build relationships on the desire that we're trying to help people meet or see the desire of the king. I know I keep repeating myself, but I think we need to really understand this in, in a serious way because you know what it says in, in Matthew 28, 19, and 20? I know you theologians out there, you've heard this verse so many times. What do we call it? The Great Commission, right? Right? And it says this, Therefore, summary, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We need them to know that God loves them and wants the best for them, the unbeliever, and even the Christian, because we, we're not perfect, are we? I mean, we don't just become new and everything's all good, right? We still struggle. We still fail. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're supposed to encourage one another, not beat each other down, not push each other away, draw them to us so that the Lord can speak to their hearts in a clear way. So I think there's a lot more that goes along with being an ambassador, maybe an attitude. Do you wake up happy in the morning? Some of you do not. I know. Some people don't wake up happy in the morning, Paul, because they have to get up. And so therefore your attitude could be like, eh, and then now I'm you know, going to have a not so good a day. But if you wake up chipper and ready for the day and you're excited, you're probably going to have a good attitude and you're going to have a good day, right? So attitude's important to have. And so uh, an ambassador, as we are, need to have an attitude for readiness. We need to be attitude, our attitude, our, as an ambassador uh, is alert for chance to represent Christ, will not back away from the challenge or the opportunity. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like, man, I need to say this, but I, I just, I'm scared. I don't know if I really know what I'm talking about, but the Lord just placed it in my mind, and I feel like I'm going to need to say it to share it with them, and I'm not because I'm afraid. I uh, read one time where a, a Christian uh, author was talking about how we, as Christians, we need to be obsessively available. We need to be obsessively available for God to use us. We need to have patience as an ambassador. An ambassador won't argue, but will listen in order to understand. Then will seek to respectively engage with those who he disagrees or she disagrees. An ambassador should be clever and adapts to each person and, and in each situation representing the truth in an understandable way. Each person's different. 
An ambassador needs to be fair. An ambassador is sympathetic and understanding toward others. An ambassador needs to be honest. Uh, An ambassador is careful with the facts that he will not misrepresent another's view, overstate his case, underestimate, I'm I'm sorry, understate the demands of the gospel. An ambassador should be humble. This is a struggle for many of us. An ambassador should be humble in is is provisional in his claims, knowing that his understanding of the truth could be fallible. You know, we make mistakes. Just because this is what I understand about it doesn't make me correct. You know, you shouldn't just take my word on this, what I'm telling you today. I know I've been elected here because you trust me in that, but as far as it goes personally, you should find out for yourself. Make it personal, right? So an ambassador's humble. He acts with grace and kindness. So in closing, I want us to see this, Christians. We, we don't live in a bubble. We know that, right? Some of you probably want to, (laughs) but we don't. Everything we do has an influence on those around us. Our friends form opinions and pick up habits by spending time with us, don't they? Okay, Um, Colleagues at work get an impression of how we live our lives through conversation and spent time together on the job. Unbelievers get an idea of how Christianity is supposed to be from us. This is is big for me. Because I don't want people to look at me and see my failures. I want people to look at me and see my father. Amen? Amen. So our goal is not to represent ourselves as being something greater than we really are because that just simply is pride. So our decisions can have value for others when we, three things, choose to see them as Christ sees them. Use the ministry of reconciliation, the gift that Christ gave us as ambassadors. Plus, become ambassadors for Christ, prepared to show others His glory. It's not our job to show others their sin. It's our job to show them the Savior, okay? As ambassadors. So here's the challenge. Look at what may be holding you back from becoming an ambassador for Christ. Second challenge to ask yourself where has God placed you in this life to be his ambassador? So as we, as Miss Tara comes and, and, and prepares to lead us in our invitation time, I ask you. Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? I don't I believe that there's, you know, we, we say a lot in church that we need to accept him as Savior. I don't know that there's nothing to accept other than his grace. That's what we need to accept. His favor, his grace, his love. Okay, and maybe that's you. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe there's things going on in your life that I don't even have a clue about, but you and the Lord know. Maybe you need to ask him to forgive you and come up here and do it. Maybe you love what's going on in the life of First Baptist Church and you want to be a part of it. We have membership uh, applications up here if you, want to, if you want to be a member. Okay? Maybe you just need to cry out to your Savior. 
Maybe, maybe you just want to come up here before your, your brothers and sisters so that they can see you and pray for you. It's not a time of embarrassment. It's a time to lay the struggles at the feet of the cross. So we invite you to stand and come in any of these ways. As Pastor Frank always says, the, church, the doors of our church are open. And we invite you to come and be a part.